Hey everybody, this is Pastor Court Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Turn me to the book of John, the book of John chapter 16. John, this is the gospel of John. Chapter 16, and I want to read verse 13. John 16, 13, let me say to all of our guests in the house, we're so blessed and honored to have you. Can we give our guests a great round of applause? Thank you for being in the building today. We're so blessed to have you at Truth Chapel. Amen. And if you're not aware of just how we flow on a Sunday morning, uh, this is 10 o'clock Bible study. And we focus on the Word of God and we take our time and we dig a little bit. And I've been in a series lately, um, but this morning, I'm going to start a new word, and uh, I, I feel strongly to speak this word uh, to the church today, and I feel it strongly because I, I'm aware of what's going on in our world today, and I'm aware of what's happening um, all around us, and it is getting, it's getting, it's getting scary, um, but at the same time, God has not given us the spirit of fear but he's given us uh, power and a sound mind, amen. And his word is forever settled in heaven, amen. Somebody say it's settled in heaven. It, it didn't get settled with a vote. His word didn't get settled uh, with a group of guys getting together and saying, you know what, this is good, we like this. It, it didn't get settled by a king. It didn't get settled by a president. It didn't get settled by a parliament. It didn't get settled by a Congress. His word is settled in heaven. Amen. I want to read for you John 16 and 13 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Somebody said the spirit of truth will guide you into truth. Amen. This morning I would like to talk to you about obsessed with abstract. Obsessed with abstract amen would you pray with me very quickly lord we love you we thank you for your word we ask you today that you would speak to us and we ask you that you would speak on our behalf as well god that you would bring our petition and god that you would hear our voice because god today we long and we desire to know the truth we want to know that what we believe is right god it gives us a sure foundation to stand on and today I ask you for that spirit of truth to speak truth and show us truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you believe it, put your hands together. Give God a shout of praise. 
Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Obsessed with abstract. Abstract art <clears throat> is really not new, um, but probably in the last um, century, uh, abstract art has become very, very popular. In the 1900s, uh, abstract art was uh, popular. It became popular in the early 1800s, actually, but it has been around for a millennium. And the idea of abstract art is there is no fundamental reason for the art. Uh, in order to be abstract, it really can't have straight, defined pictures or defined boundaries. The, the, the very essence of being abstract is that it doesn't look like anything. And the lure of abstract art is that each person looking at the art can decide what it is. The beauty of the abstract is that two people could be standing in front of the same piece of art and someone say, you know, it's just serenity and it's just surrender. And the next person say, well, it's, it's chains and it's, it's, it's bondage and it's boundaries. And the next person could say, well, I just see love. And the next person could say, well, whoever, may, whoever drew this, they, they were really hateful. This, this is just hate. And the idea of abstract and the beauty of it is that we can all look at it, the same picture, the same painting, the same colors, the same lines, the same artist, and we can all draw a conclusion of what we see. It is up to you, the one who perceives it, as what the reality of it is. And that, in itself, is the idea of abstract. There's no definition. We are living in an abstract world. No wonder the, the idea of abstract art has become so popular in the last century. We have developed a love for it, and we desire to, to have it. And uh, there are literal whole museums made just for abstract art, because the beauty is, is that we all get to decide what we see. We all get to decide what we see. And we are obsessed with the idea of we all get to choose what we see. We all get uh, a vote. And, and uh, your truth is, baby, that's your truth. You, you speak your truth. And, and you, you love your truth. And because you know that's your truth. And, and we're going to let you have it because that's what you see. You, you look at the picture and you say, well, I see this. And you know what? You're right. And the next person says, you know, I look at the picture and I see this. And they're right as well. In the study of psychology, there is a system of pictures, all abstract. And when they're talking to someone who they uh, are trying to figure out what their personality type is or what really makes them tick. They'll take these pictures out and they'll just flash this picture of nothingness. It's just black ink on a paper and they'll say, what do you see? And one guy will say, well, I see a dog running through a field. Okay, all right, what do you see? And 
I see murder, you know, what do you see? Murder again. And here's a picture of a red wagon. What do you see? Murder, you know. Let's lock this guy up. He's a psychopath. And, but the next guy says, oh, I see my mother and father. And Stop, Siri. What, what do you see? Here we go. Turn her off. I, I understand the concept of abstract, but I also understand the contract, the, 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 the concept of absolutes, that, that there are absolutes. I, 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 I will agree that there is abstract, but I also have to agree that there is absolutes. Our world is shifting to an abstract mindset, and they are pulling away from an absolute mindset. That nothing is definite anymore. Nothing is absolute. That, that there are not only uh, a truth, but there's multiple truths and multiple ideas out there. And, you know, wh whichever one you want to land on, man, that's you and you do you. We know that this is coming. We know that this is already here. However, let me just respond to the church today and tell us that we must love the truth. What is the truth? You know, there's probably only one book on this planet that I would tell you is truth. Every other book, every other idea, every other concept is some kind of construct of this, in my opinion. And that is the word of God. The Bible. And if we are not going to agree that the Bible is truth, then really we have nothing to talk about. If we're not going to agree that the Bible is the infallible, indestructible word of God, then where do we stand? What do we have to stand on? You say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, there's people who don't believe the Bible, but they believe Aristotle. And the Bible has uh, been investigated yeah. way more than Aristotle. There's people that won't believe the Bible, but they will uh, read Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey. And, and, and they believe in this stuff. And they believe that this, this, this man wrote this stuff. But we, there's a thousand years between the death of Homer and one publication of his works. A thousand years. We'll teach it in college, but there's a thousand years. Do you realize that there's only 80 years separating the death of Jesus Christ and the writing of John? 80 years. We won't teach it in school because we can't find true definition, but we'll teach Homer. We'll teach William Shakespeare, but go look it up. Most people don't even believe that the man even existed. They believe that another writer was a pseudo-writer for Shakespeare. Right. We'll, we'll teach Mark Twain, but Mark Twain wasn't even his name. Not his name. He's a pseudo-writer. Mark Twain doesn't exist, but we'll read it and teach it to our kids. But when it comes to the Word of God, it is the most scrutinized book in the history of mankind. It has been searched over and over, through and through. And this world, this world 
wants us to put away the word because they don't believe that it's absolute. I know, I know that that's what the world wants. But in February of this year, in February of this year, a well-known church in Nashville, Tennessee, by the name of Grace Point Church, began to preach a series there, Pastor Scott began to preach a series on the Bible not being true. A church. Scott raised Southern Baptists. This is what the church's stance is on this series, which, of course, drew great scrutiny, and, and a lot of people commented on it. And, but here's what Pastor Scott said in February of this year. He says, as progressive Christians, we are open to tensions and inconsistencies in the Bible. We know that it can't live up to impossible modern standards. We strive to more clearly articulate what scripture is and isn't. The church noted before stating what the Bible is and isn't. This is what the church stated in February of 2021. This is what they said. They said the Bible isn't it is not the word of God. It is not self-interpreting. It is not a science book. It is not an answer or a rule book. It is not inerrant or infallible. Here's what it is. It is a product of community. It is a library of text, multivocal, a human response to God, living and dynamic. So when the world begins to say the Bible isn't true, you know, you raise an eyebrow. But when the church begins to preach that the Bible isn't true, it's time to raise more than an eyebrow. It's time to raise a standard. And I stand before you today not to call anybody out or to make anybody feel less than, but I stand before you today as your pastor to remind you that the word of God is the, is the infallible truth. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You cannot separate God from his word. God is his word and the word is God. The two are the same. And if they had the Holy Spirit, the spirit would lead them into truths. And the spirit would show them. The spirit would not speak of itself, but the spirit speaks of what it heard. Here's how I can tell the difference between a spirit and the spirit is the spirit never speaks for itself. It speaks for the word. Here's what, here's what the Bible's telling us in John chapter six, that the Bible is telling us that the spirit will never contradict the word. The spirit will never speak for itself. The spirit doesn't have its own idea. The spirit doesn't have its own concept. The spirit doesn't have its own breakdown. The spirit doesn't have its own context, but the spirit only speaks what it heard. That's why when people come and say, well, I feel, like, I feel like God's telling me to do this. Well, this don't match up with the word. So I know it ain't God. So go ahead and tell me what you, it, 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 your girlfriend wants you to do that. Or your boyfriend wants you to do that. Because this is what the word said. The word said, be ye not unequally yoked. That's what the word said. So it cannot be the spirit. Ain't nobody want to talk back to the preacher today. Last month, a famous Christian by the name of Michael Gunger, you may not know Michael Gunger, but you know his music. 
songs that he has either written or co-wrote, you know, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Gunger. I am a friend of God. Gunger. And a list and a host of many more, many of which we sing in this church. Michael Gunger either wrote or co-wrote. He is a famous musician and singer. But over the last few years, Gunger has lost his religion, lost his way. He says he's like a butterfly in a cocoon, and he's changing his ideas about who and what God is. And this week, he sent out a tweet. Not this week, but last month, he sent a tweet out. This was his tweet. Jesus was Christ. Buddha was Christ. Muhammad was Christ. Christ is a word for the universe seeing itself. You are Christ. We are the body of Christ. Hogwash. Lie. There is only one Christ and his name is Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other Christ. There's not a Buddha Christ. There's not a Muhammad Christ. There's not a Hare Krishna Christ. There's no other Christ. It's just Jesus the Christ. That's it. Only him. And I am not Christ. I'm not Christ. I am in the body of Christ. But I am not him. Oh no. Absolutely not. We have made ourselves little G gods. And we are not gods. Absolutely not. That's not Bible. That's un unbiblical. And that is a dangerous trail to go down. We are not gods. We are not. Buddha was not a god and Muhammad was not a god. Jesus is the only one of those three that after his death, he was seen again. <laughs> Risen from the grave. Buddha's grave is still there and there's still bones in it. Muhammad's grave is still there and there's still bones in it. Jesus' tomb is empty. You can go there today and stoop down and get in there if you want to. And you can look around. Ain't nobody in there but you. Because he is a risen savior. Died for the sins of the world. Muhammad died of disease and Buddha died because he ate bad food. True story. Look it up. But they did not die for people. Jesus died for the sins of the world and was risen again. And his word is true. It is infallible. It is indestructible. It never changes. It is settled in heaven. It is yea and amen. And it does not change. Let me remind you again, church, that Satan is a liar. And he is the father of lies. But Jesus is the truth. And the father of the truth. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yeah. Yeah. But the truth, the Bible tells us this. The Bible says, the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's John chapter 8 and verse 32. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. But what John also needed to write is that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you an enemy of the world. Yeah. The truth will make you an enemy.
People will not believe you. People will say that you are a heretic. People will say that you are crazy. Some people will say that you are in a cult because you believe truth. But I will not apologize for what I believe because nobody else is apologizing for what they believe. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul himself asked the Galatian church, the church in Galatia, he said, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? If you don't want enemies, don't speak the truth. Here's what you do if you don't want enemies. Depending on who you're standing in front of, tell them their truth. Tell them they're right. If you don't want enemies, just, just change your belief system when you get around certain people. If you don't want enemies, just believe whatever comes your way. If you don't want enemies, just code it over and make everybody feel good. If you don't want enemies, just tell everybody they're going to heaven. If you don't want enemies, just tell, hey, you can believe what you want to believe. Jesus was the Christ. Buddha was the Christ. Muhammad was the Christ. Hey, man, you take your pick, whatever. Just as long as you believe in a higher power, you're good. That's how you don't get enemies. But when you say Jesus is the only way. And if any man come unto the Father any other way, he is a liar and the truth ain't in him. If you want enemies, you tell people, this is the only way. And if you are not baptized, repent of your sins, baptize in Jesus' name, fill with the Holy Ghost, then you're going to bust a devil's hell wide open. That's not what I said. That's what he said. Those that, believe in, those that believe and are baptized shall be saved. And those that believe not shall be damned. That's Mark 16. And that's what Jesus said. That's written in red letter. Written in red letter because it came out of Jesus' mouth. And I don't want to be damned because of my disbelief. But I want to be saved because I believe the truth. And I walked in the truth. I know it's Bible study time. And I'm not supposed to be preaching right now. And I apologize if I'm offending anybody with my spirit or my tone. But I want you to know that just like John said in 3 John 1, 4, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And if I'm going to be pastor of this church, I have no greater joy than to preach you the truth and to solidify the truth in you and say the word of God is true. And let every man be alive. Let every man be alive. But let God be true. And let every man be alive. Let your president be alive. Let your professor be alive. Let your mama be alive. Let your daddy be alive. Let your cousins be alive. Let your teacher in school be alive. But let God be true. Let every man be alive. Let every man be alive. But let God be true. I don't care who it is. I don't care how much that is. They, they may have more degrees than a thermometer. I don't care if it's against God's word, then you're a lie and the truth ain't in you. I love you. I respect you. I'm not going to be disrespectful, but I will tell you that you're wrong. Listen, telling people they are wrong is not disrespectful. The greatest love that you can show for a man is to tell him you're on the wrong track, but Jesus loves you and he wants you to be on his track. We'll say, we'll say, well, if I was to tell people that they're wrong and if I was to tell people that they need Jesus, they may disrespect me and they may cast me aside and they may do me wrong and they may. But listen, he said, no greater love than a man had than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. And you thought that meant being killed, but sometimes it means not being popular. And sometimes it means that people may not like me. And sometimes it means I may lose position. But listen, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't like it, it's okay. But you need to know the truth. 
You need to know the truth. You can't even have children without the truth. That's why a lot of good Christians in the church today have no fruit. You've won nobody to the Lord. You have no fruit because the, Paul told us in the book of Romans, he said, gird up your loins with the truth because your loins is your reproductive organs. And the reason a lot of Christians don't have anybody to show for their labor is because they don't really believe the truth. And they struggle to tell people, hey, listen, I know your grandma and your grandpa and whatever, whatever, but you need the Holy Ghost. They struggle to tell people, no, there's not a trinity. Jesus is one. Here on Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Him only shalt thou serve. See, you got quiet right there. You got quiet right there because we struggle with that. We struggle with truth. It preaches good, but it don't live out that well. I said it preaches good, but it, it struggle, it, it's a struggle to live it out. The disciples even had a trouble with this. The disciples had a problem with this. The disciples were like, Jesus, we, we just can't be saying that to people. And Jesus looked at them and said, oh, suppose ye that I came to bring peace? <laughs> did, did you think I was here for peace? This is what Jesus said. Red letter, read it in your Bible. Jesus said, suppose ye that I came to bring peace? Nay. I came to bring division. That's what Jesus said. That's what Je Jesus said. I came to bring a sword. He said, because I'm going to put enmity between families. I will make you choose sides. And we are so obsessed with the abstract. We want to let everybody look at the picture and say, well, this is what I think he's saying. No, no, no. This is what he's saying. This is what I think he meant when he said that. Hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't get to choose that. Well, you know, if you, if you go into Greek and Hebrew and Latin and you start pulling. Yeah. No. You don't, you don't get to choose that. You say, well, Pastor James, everything you're saying, everything that you're preaching is based off the word. You have no, you have no evidence. Absolutely I do. I have evidentiary. You see, you can't, you see, what well, science, well, listen, if we, if, we, if we butt science up against the word, the word still wins. Because before man even knew the earth was round, God had already told him, okay? So let's not even, let's not even talk about, let's not talk about it. Look, before we knew how to handle COVID, in the book of Leviticus, God had already told Moses how to handle it give them a mask and put them in quarantine for seven days at the end of seven days, bring them back and then give them another seven days for, to be cleansed, 14 days. Before, before the CDC knew what to do, they could have read it in Leviticus. Okay, so let's don't, let's don't even back it up on science. If we, if, if we back it up on science, you're going to lose that, that battle. Be, be, because before people even knew what was happening, God had already told them it was already in the Word. Already in the Word. Already happening. The, the sun, the moon, the stars are already, already there. All the planets already there, already lined up. God already had a plan. So let's not even talk about science. Let's talk about evidence. Evidentiary method. That is the evidentiary method. Reliability of sources, corroboration of sources, internal and external evidence that supports these sources, witnesses, and reliable, unreliable witnesses. The Bible was written on three continents in three languages. Over 40 authors 
most of whom never met each other or even lived in the same time period. Forty different men wrote 66 books, and these men mostly never even met each other, and they didn't even live in the same time period. They wrote 66 volumes. Uh, they addressed thousands of topics that are cohesive and concise, corroborating to one redemptive story. It's written over a period of 1,500 years. Therefore, you have cooperation, you have reliability, you have over 25,000. Listen to this. We have on record over 25,000 archaeological digs relating to topics discussed in the Bible. All 25,000 of them without fail are confirmed in their findings. If the Bible said it was here, they went 25,000 times, they went and dug it up and it was there. They're like, there it is. The Bible said it was there, it's there. So we have evidentiary method, reliable, corroborating sources. It is a reliable collection of historical documents. Not just one man, but a collection of men written over three different continents, three different languages, 40 authors, multiple walks of life. There were kings who wrote, generals, fishermen, tax collectors, doctors, historians. They wrote, they cover a multitude of, of subjects. And I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime or otherwise eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place and fulfillment of specific prophecies and cling to the writings or divine, they cling to the, that their, their writings were divine instead of human in origin. There ain't one book being taught in a college today that could stand up to the scrutiny of this book. Not one. Listen, it ain't even close. It's not even close. There's no contest. There is no book on this planet that has 25,000 archeological digs to prove it wrong that proved it right. Your favorite author can't write like this. No way. We cannot get two doctors to agree in 2021 on what it is, what it ain't, whether it's Delta or United or Spirit. We don't know. We can't get two doctors to agree, okay? Can't even get two doctors to agree. Forty men over 1,500 years wrote 66 books and they all agree. That right there should be enough. But if that isn't enough, come taste and see. <laughs> if that ain't enough, if the evidentiary method, you can go do it, do this homework yourself. If the evidentiary method isn't enough for you, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Come and try him out. Pour your heart on the altar and say, Lord, feel me. And I promise you, he's good and he's good all the time. <laughs> He's good, and he's good all the time. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Here is, here is the key. Somebody say the key. And here's why we have a lot of great religious people a lot of great religious people who love God. I have no doubt in my mind that they love God. 
who are exemplary, smart, and really have taken their time to study, and they are completely wrong. Here's the key. The key is in my reading today. My first verse, John 16 and 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Here's what has always fascinated me. If you know anything about me, if you spend any time with me, there's a few things that, that I, uh, I tumble around in my mind all the time. And I've always been fascinated. I've always been fascinated with the concept of intelligent, unrevelatory people who are intelligent but have no revelation. I study these people. I watch these people. To me, I cannot understand how they can be so smart and so wrong. If I ever had an opportunity to be in the presence of one of these people, I would probably not even talk because I would want the knowledge they have. They have superior knowledge. But knowledge and revelation are two different things. What's always fascinated me is that a new convert who just came in the church, turned their life around, just got the Holy Ghost, and, you know, brand spanking new, don't know nothing, got no corn in the crib. If there's any corn in there, it's candy corn. They just showed up. And they have more revelation than people that have been doing this their whole lives. Been to school, went to grade school, went to seminary, then left there and went to doctorate school. I mean, they got, they stacked up. They got the, the, the BS, the PhD, and all the, all, some of y'all know because y'all got all them letters behind your name. It's just a lot of letters, the ABCs and the DEFGs. And, like you got a, a, your name on a card and when you, you got to turn the card over to get the rest of them. But a brand new convert is like, phew, like they got it. And this person over here is like, bro, why, why can't you see this? It's right there. And here's the deal. I have had the opportunity to have conversations with some of these people. Not debates. I don't debate. Because when we, when we start debating, we're trying to prove each other wrong. I'm not trying to prove nobody wrong. I don't think that you're wrong. I think you're not complete. I think, I think you need revelation. But here's the key. Those people, while they have intelligence, don't have the spirit. Every one of them have something in common. Every one of them. They have something in common. Here's the commonality between them. They've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, they, they've been praying, they've been fasting, they've been reading. So were the disciples in Acts, six, uh, Acts 19. But they didn't have the Holy Ghost either. Well, they were good men. They, these are great men. They, they studied the word. They prayed every day. They gave alms to the poor. So was Cornelius in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10. 
We, we, we understand through biblical concepts. See, everything that we think, we got to bounce it off Bible. And if it don't bounce, it ain't true, you know. So, so here's my concept. Let's look at the Bible. Was there anybody in the Bible like this? Was there anybody in the Bible who had relational intelligence but no revelation? Absolutely. Numerous occasions we see people who are intelligent, who are smart, who love God, who were working for God, doing the things of God, but had no revelation. And they hadn't because every time is because they had no spirit. Here's what the angel said to Cornelius in Acts 10. Go find Peter. He will tell you what you ought to do. That's what he said. In Acts 19, Paul says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That th this is a tie. Every person who I know who falls into this category of exemplary minds and great understanding fall out of the category of spirit filled. Why? Because John 16 tells us the spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. Somebody say all truth. Listen, oh, it's so good. I wish I had another 25, 30 minutes, but I don't. I got about three minutes. I'm going to be done. This is so good. You have to see it. All truth. It is possible to have some and not have all. The only way to get all is have the spirit. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. That's why people who have the spirit understand things that people who don't, don't understand. They can read the Bible. They can grow. They can learn. They can do historical facts. They can go. They can look at everything. They can do archaeological digs. They can do it all. They can have more book knowledge than me and you could ever imagine heaven. But if you got the Holy Ghost, you got more than they'll ever have. Let me say that again. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got more than they'll ever have because it is the spirit of truth that leads you into truth. That's why somebody who got into church a month ago and got filled is now standing around explaining things that, that make other people go, man, how do you even know this? I know this because the spirit has been leading me into all truths. I have a God. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have a God. I have someone is showing me step by step what I need to do. And I may not have. And listen, having the Holy Ghost is not an excuse to be uneducated. I'll say that again for the people in the back. Having the Holy Ghost is not an excuse to be uneducated. You ought to know more about it than they know about it. I got the Holy Ghost, but I study. But when I study, I got a magnifying glass. Oh, hallelujah. That's why I can read a scripture and say, whoo, man, do you see that? And someone has been in school their whole life go, nah, I, don't, I don't see that. How can you not see it? How can you not see it? How sayest thou then, show us the Father? If you see me, you sing the Father. It's there. He said it. Well, you know, well, if you go, if you go, baby, go, baby. stop. It's right there. You wouldn't say this in any other text. You wouldn't say this in any other book. You would not make this cross-reference anywhere, but you're making it here. Why? Because you're blinded. You don't have the light that I have. There is an illumination in the holy place with the table of showbread and the candlestick. And there is an illumination when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
you step into the holy place where the bread has candles. That's why I said I wish I had more time, but I, I don't. When you get the Holy Ghost, you step into the holy place where the bread has candles. You can have the bread with no candles. And there are people on this planet, they got the bread, they got the word, but they have no candle. They have the word, but they have no candle. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you get the bread and the candlestick. That means I can see, the, I, there's illumination to the bread. Oh, hallelujah. My God, I wish I had time to really preach it. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you get the candlestick and I can see the bread. I see the bread differently than you see it because there's a light in my life. There's a candlestick in my world. There's oil in me. There's oil in the candlestick and I see it. I see it. I'm not a smart man, but I see it. I got no degrees, but I see it. Oh, hallelujah. That's why he said, I have chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise because I see it. I see it. I don't have a PhD, but I see it. I don't have a seminary degree, but I see it. Would you stand with me? Lord, I want candlesticks with my bread. <laughs> Ooh, I want candlesticks with my bread. I'm not happy just to read it. I want to see it. I want to see it. Illuminate it. Show me what I haven't seen before. Because I know the word of God is a living, breathing word. And you can read a scripture today that you read 10 years ago. And that scripture just, boom, come alive to you. say, why did I never see that before? I'm going to preach a message today in the 11 o'clock. Woo, it's going to be so good. But it's one of them moments. It's one of them moments for me where I, reading the, where I was reading the story that I've always read. But when I read that, I said, oh, my. Another scripture jumped into my mind. I said, oh, I'm preaching this. I'm going to test it out on y'all. I'm talking about preach this bad boy everywhere I go. Because the Lord is showing me. Why? Because it's alive. It's not, this is not a dead word. The spirit will not speak for of itself. It will speak of what it hears. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's why you need to read the word out loud. Oh, my, I could go on all day. Go on all day. But what I want you to walk away with from this lesson is you need the spirit to illuminate what is true. You need to get alone with the bread and the candlestick. Many of us never get alone. We stand in the outer court and we hear what the priest has to say. But we never go in alone. And we get the bread and the candlestick together and get our own personal revelation who God is and because they received not a love for the truth God allowed them to be taken away with all kinds of beliefs that's what he said in Romans chapter 1 he said because they received not a love for the truth because they didn't believe the truth they didn't love it he said I let them believe anything and they began to worship the creature more than the creator here's what he said when he when, when, when he said they didn't Love truth, absolutes, they love abstract. They wanted to make up their own decisions, make up their own mind. They began to worship the creature more than the creator and the women burned in their lust for each other and the men did so likewise. Working in themselves that which is unseemly and inconvenient. Homosexuality, lesbianism. Read it in Romans 1. I, I, I know that the world told you that, that the New Testament doesn't talk about it. That's because they ain't reading. They standing in the outer court listening to preachers preach them. Tickle their ears. Uh -huh. They don't want to hear the truth. Uh -huh. 
The truth will make you enemies. It's called hate speech in a lot of places. But I don't hate anybody. I believe you can be saved. I believe you could come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can do that. God can touch you. God can reconstruct you. God can renew you and remake you. Absolutely. He did it for me. He can do it for anybody else. Amen. But when they did not love the truth, God said, I'll let you believe anything. And the Bible said he sent them a strong delusion. And they believed it. I want to love the truth. Oh, I want to love the truth. I love the truth. Because the truth keeps me. Yeah. Abstract lets me go anywhere I want to go. Do what, anything I want to do. I can read it today and I can look at it tomorrow and see something different. But the truth is straight lines. What the words say? Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Yea and amen. It's sharp like a two-edged sword, defining the lines, cutting away, separating. Woo. Lord, I thank you for I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.